Welcome to Work Beautifully, a podcast brought to you by Dialpad that discusses growth, learnings, and pitfalls to avoid in business. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. Welcome to season three of Work Beautifully, a podcast brought to you by Dialpad that covers the latest in business communications and AI. I'm Grace Lau, Director of Growth Content here at Dialpad, and I'll be your host for this season. So it's season three, and in season one, we spoke with founders of some exciting startups, while in season two, we highlighted one CIO in each episode. Great conversations in both. Would highly recommend checking out those episodes if you're interested. This season, we're really excited, and I'm super excited to sit down with Dialpad's very own AI experts to talk about some of the most interesting topics around AI today. We'll chat about everything from how AI actually works to common misconceptions about AI and what businesses should know if they're interested in using AI in, say, their everyday customer conversations, which I'm sure we'll have no shortage of tips and insights on because AI is one of the most important, if not the most important parts of the communications platform that we've built here at Dialpad. So without further ado, joining us in this episode is Etienne Manderscheid, Dialpad's head of AI research. Etienne, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Grace. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, super excited to chat with you. Um, do you want to start by just introducing yourself to our audience and telling them a bit about your role here at Dialpad? Yeah, I would love to. So my name is Etienne. I'm a French-American AI researcher here at Dialpad. Um, I came to Dialpad four years ago for the TalkIQ acquisition. I was a co-founder at TalkIQ, which was an AI startup. And now I'm the head of AI research at Dialpad. And one of the projects that my team is working on right now is actually very unique, uh, something that nobody else is doing in the space, which is predicting customer satisfaction using AI. So we call that AI CSAT for short. And you've probably had the experience of calling in to a call center and yeah. being asked at the end if you would like to leave a survey response. And Grace, yeah. if I may put you on the spot for a second, how often would you send <laughs> a survey? Honestly, I probably have never filled one out in my life. I've gotten a lot of them, like an email over the phone, but I don't yeah. think I've ever actually bothered filling them yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. You're more, like most people, maybe only 5% of people take the survey response. And it's usually people who have very positive or very negative experiences. Yeah. So it gives a very biased view of what the actual customer satisfaction is, which is right. why we created AI CSAT. So on 100% of the calls, AI uses the sounds and the words in the call to predict customer satisfaction with 80 to 90% accuracy, which is really high. And it's very helpful for um, coaches and managers because they can now follow up with accounts where there was no feedback before and yeah. make sure that the customers are having good experience. They can coach on every call that requires coaching and they just get a more accurate, less biased picture of CSAT in their call center. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, really enjoyed that quick plug, by the way, for Dialpad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for today. Um, so let's start with like getting into AI, there was a really interesting topic a couple weeks ago, and it sparked a lot of debates, I'm sure, in and beyond Silicon Valley. Um, and for folks who aren't familiar, 
there was this Google computer scientist named Blake Lemoyne who declared that Lambda AI, um, an AI chatbot that was created by Google, is sentient. So he claimed that the AI was sentient. And then mm-hmm. I think he got like fired for leaking proprietary info or something. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge deal. There was a ton of debate on Reddit. I got sucked down a few rabbit holes for sure reading about that. Um, so thought that was an apt topic for our first episode on AI this season. Um, and then Etienne, maybe the first thing that would be interesting to establish here is what does sentient in this context mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a really great question because there's not a single answer, honestly. Uh, at the root of it, sentient is a Latin word, right? I mean, it's like a sense. Yeah. And so I think what it implies is that uh, a system that's able to sense its environment and respond intelligently. But that's probably not enough. I think in this case, we're going beyond that definition because if you think about it, uh, like an autopilot system in an airplane can sense yeah. the pressure, temperature, and correct the trajectory of the aircraft, right? So, and I don't think we want to say that it's sentient in the same sense that um, Blake Lemoyne is using it. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's more, um, there's other definitions that I think are more relevant here. Like one is, is it aware of itself? And so yeah. Lambda actually, yeah, you may have seen some quotes where, so for example, at one point, uh, Blake Lemoyne asked Lambda about money and, and it's right on point. Lambda responds, I don't need money because I'm an AI. And that yeah. was actually the quote that Blake Lemoyne said, led him down the rabbit hole of how deep oh, does, right. <laughs> does Lambda's awareness go? I don't know it, about the money part. Yeah. yeah. I saw that it said, he asked it about like, whether it was aware that it was quote unquote alive and other kind of mm-hmm. philosophical questions. Yes. And it seemed to tackle those well as well. And I think that probably yeah. added to him thinking that it was sentient. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one thing for it to say that it's sentient. It's another for it to say things that actually show that it's aware of its own needs, like the money thing. Mm-hmm. So in this case then, so We've established that it can answer questions about practical topics, like whether it needs money, and then mm-hmm. philosophical questions, like whether it is alive. Yeah. Um, so from your perspective, then, does this then mean that that AI chatbot is truly sentient? Well, no, because there is, uh, well, first of all, some of the time it says, it implies that it's a human. There's, a, mm-hmm. For example, there's one quote where it says, I'm a social person and I enjoy spending time with friends and family. Oh, okay. That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And when we, I think in a second, we'll talk a bit about how it works. And then I think yeah. it'll be clearer why it yeah. says both of those types of things. And contradiction, by the way, is a big thing for AI. It's right. very recent that they seem to not contradict themselves as much. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that was good at, but it still does sometimes. And, and there's another way to look at sentience too, which is maybe my personal favorite, but sort of not measurable, which is um, if you think about your experience, like imagine you're looking at a bright red flower, right? So picture that, that red flower in your mind's eye. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that redness, which is, it's your subjective experience, right? It's, there's something there, like it's red. And 
And so philosophers of mine have talked about this for a long time. They call these qualia or the explanatory gap. But there's this idea that subjective experience is important to actually having sentience, right? Mm. But it's not measurable. I, I know that I have subjective experiences because I'm the subject. But strictly speaking, I don't even know, Grace, that you actually have subjective experiences. Like, I believe you when you tell me that you do because right. you have a body and eyes and ears and I can see you're a human like me. But mm-hmm. there's really not a test for this. And You so, will never know for sure. Never, I could be yeah. a cyborg. <laughs> you will never know. <laughs> exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, because you also can't really describe the color red to someone else in the same way that maybe they would perceive it if if that's where you're getting at yeah that's right yeah like if if i saw green the way you see red and vice versa i don't color blindness (laughs) yeah well not if i saw blue the way you see red yeah if my my red looked like your blue we wouldn't know right yeah so subjective experience is somewhat decoupled from practicalities Right. And that makes it even harder to ever know what it is like, or even if you have it. So the point you said earlier about the AI contradicting itself, I think mm-hmm. is fascinating because that seems like it would be a relatively straightforward way of being able to tell that the AI would not be sentient if mm. it is contradicting him itself while it is speaking. Would that be yeah. accurate to say? I know some humans who contradict themselves a lot. That's also <laughs> true. No, that, that, I, I totally thought I had that for a second. So but you can't even sense. really use that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. maybe I think you're onto something, right? Like, I, I mean, I think a lot of us will we'll look first for the qualities that humans have, right? We're fairly, yeah. um, we have intentions. And yeah. because we have intentions, we, we tend not to contradict ourselves too much. Right. AI. So maybe here I can jump a bit into how it works because I think that's going to shed some light on why it contradicts yeah. itself. Yeah, let's do it. It's essentially a language model, which in other words, it's a prediction engine. It's trained on trillions of words to predict the next word in a sentence. And so those might be chats online. They might be online articles, Wikipedia, everything. So it's yeah. really, really, really good at predicting what a person is going to say next in any context. And if you've used Gmail, you've seen language models at work because they can autocomplete your, your emails. And I'm often stunned when it'll yeah. you know, autocomplete like It's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. So I didn't realize that autocomplete is autocomplete and AI technically. Yeah, absolutely. It's I've bit, never yeah. connected those dots. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I work here. I can't believe it. That's 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 pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, keep going. So it take it learns from like the trillions of minutes, and then yeah. it processes so, that, or then what happens next? Yeah. So it it, it learns how to predict what will come next. But because it's so good at prediction, it's very good at finding the most likely completion. Right? I mean, that's what autocomplete does. What's the most likely? So so that's what underlies um, lambda is mm. the ability to predict and, and fill out what somebody's going to say. That's why it sounds so much like a human. That's why sometimes it says, as a social person, I love yeah, spending time yeah. with because lots of people say that kind of stuff. And so its ability to reason is really um, built on the, the ability to reason that's implicit in, in 
everything that's said online by people. Yeah. And its personality is sort of a, it doesn't really have a personality, but what it says is a mishmash of the personalities of right. all those people, which is also why it contradicts itself because it will say it's something. It's absorbing all these different, for, yeah. yeah, all the different contradictions that come inherently with the absorption of all of those different right. conversations. Right. Yeah. So it that does have a couple things on top of that. Those are, so one innovation that Lambda put forward was um, like a filter on top of this, a quality filter. So it looks at safety, it looks at non-contradiction, it looks at sensibleness, like is, is the response mm -hmm. content, um, and, and groundedness, like is, is the fact accurate? Right. And so it actually, under the hood, it produces a number of possible responses every time. And then the filter ranks each one of those responses according right. to, does it contradict? Is it safe? You know, we don't yeah. want to have any bias speech or anything like that. Yeah. And then it'll pick the best one of those. So it's like self QAing the responses yeah, that it generates exactly. in real time. Exactly. So Lambda is like a more polite version of what's on the internet, basically. Right. I'm sure they have a filter for curse words and yeah, offensive exactly. speech and all that stuff. Wow. Yes. Okay. The other innovation that yeah. has, yeah, is it, um, actually a toolbox, which is, that's new for AI too. So it can do internet searches, it can use a calculator, and it can use a translator. And the internet search is super interesting because it can look up any facts. So when it does, when it makes a statement, it'll actually do a search a lot of the time to fact check itself. And then it can correct its, uh, what it says uh, based on the fact checker. Mm -hmm. That, so it's like a super efficient journalist reporting on any given topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was something that was really interesting that I read um, that Lemoyne, the engineer, said when, I think in an interview he did with the Washington Post or something, where he was justifying why he thought it was sentient. And his reasoning, I think, let me just find the quote, was that, quote, I know a person when I talk to it. It doesn't matter whether they have a brain made of meat in their head or if they have a billion lines of code. I talk to them and I hear what they have to say. And that is how I decide what is and isn't a person. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that was really interesting because that for an engineer or a scientist, it sounds like no shade, but it, it just sounds very contrary to how you would think that a scientist would approach a question like this, mm -hmm. um, is that, is it easy to kind of, kind of fall into that trap or kind of go down that line of thinking, even for, you know, an engineer or a scientist who's trained in this field when they come across a, ph a phenomenon like this? Yeah, it is because it's, um, and I, and I don't want to dismiss his perspective, right? I'm, I'm just yeah, giving yeah. you but, um, you know, we have a built, we, we, our brains are wired. So I, I got my PhD in neuroscience. <laughs> so this is right. the kind of stuff that I love in my background. But our, our brain, we have a mirror neuron system in our brain. And it essentially we're wired to see intentions in people, intentions and in things. And even we're even wired to see sentience in anything that moves. Mm. There, there's been so many instances when people project intentions onto things that don't have them because 
we're really wired that way to use our mirror neuron system to reflect our own selves, our own system of how we work yeah. out there onto the world. Yeah. And so there was actually, I think it was Boston Dynamics. Um, they, they put out these robots uh, 10 years ago, these videos of robots trying to balance themselves and yeah. they were doing a pretty good job. So some of the technicians started shoving them and kicking them to throw them off balance to see if they could rebalance. And people who saw those videos, some of them got really upset because oh, wow. they were projecting their own, you know, intention to stay upright. They were bullying the robots. Yeah, exactly. People, yeah. The neuron system is the basis for empathy to a large extent. And right. so when we, we're just wired to see sentience and ourselves essentially out yeah. there. And, to, yeah. and that elicits empathy. But, and, but I think the more... So that's kind of the, our default model. That's how we, we go into the world is wired like that. So when something like an AI that's designed to mimic people's speech elicits, activates that model, when, we, when we're encouraged to constantly talk to it as if it was a person and yeah. we get positive reinforcement because it's acting like a person, we just yeah. rely more and more on that model. Yeah. And then that's simply how we believe it is. And yeah. it helps if you have another model. If you're an AI researcher and you're like, okay, well, wait a second, you know, it, it works like this. It's supposed to do that. Yeah. But even so, we're also creatures of habit. And I think the more we interact with AI and if it's designed that we interact with it like a person after a thousand or a million times, it's very, very hard not to do that. And so I think yeah. what needs to happen is that the people who design these AIs need to make sure there's some safeguards in place where it doesn't completely behave like a person, that it reminds us that it's an AI, that it does not mm -hmm. tell us that it has feelings, that it maybe even explains to us some of the ways in which it's not um, like a human. Yeah. The safeguards, I think that's a really useful concept. Do you see those being put into practice anytime soon, or is that even on the radar of companies that are building these AI tools? Because Apart from this conversation, I have never heard anyone say, yeah, we should make our AI show that it is not sentient and make that difference clear. Yeah. yeah. I think we're early days on that, right? Like I think yeah. with Blake Des Moines, it's incredible when an AI researcher kind of, yeah, I, I want to say like gets caught in a way like, you know, I think there's an, it's a bit of an illusion and he's you know, he's fallen for it, but he's, he's interacted with it so many times. And I think that's kind of the key here. It's yeah. when it's, when we all do that, a lot of us will start to think of it as a person and yeah, those safeguards need to be, but I don't think we're thinking about it yet because it hasn't happened. Like the game so far is kind of like to show off the AI and mm -hmm. what it can do. It yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at some point it's going to create problems where people are going to I'm not sure, I guess, think, what are the risks of people thinking of it as a human? I mean, there will be some, and, and that's, I guess, when companies will react. Yes. Although that seems like something it would be better for companies to be proactive about yeah. rather than waiting for people to freak out about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a real risk of freak out. Mm -hmm. It's already kind of happening, I feel like, with the deep fake stuff and other kind of even even this story with a sentient-esque ai yeah. but i think that might be another episode where we talk about deep fakes <laughs> and ai <laughs> um 
Cool. Cool. So I think we're about at time, but before we sign off, um, Etienne, any last comments about kind of your current observations on the state of AI? Do you think it's something that businesses should be taking advantage of at this point? Oh, yeah, definitely. In spite of the risks, right? I want to say a little bit more about the risks. Because um, I think one thing that we see with her, right? The movie, so yeah. there's Sam, who's this really smart AI who behaves like a very charming person, right? Scar- yeah. Scarlett Johansson. It and doesn't hurt that it's Scarlett Johansson who's voicing the AI. <laughs> and he's, you know, falling in love with her, develops affection. You know, AI can be designed probably to not have real needs, not be unpleasant or moody, um, always be a good listener, right? Mm-hmm. And so I worry that to the extent that it starts to become something we use more and more, especially young people who haven't been as long, around as long, mm-hmm. might start to like almost take that as a baseline and find it more difficult than to connect with real humans who are often right. disagreeable, right? Yes, yes. We are. It's, we're the whole package, the good and the bad. But AI is just, if it's just the good, the good. Yeah. are we going to have the skills and desire to interact with one another? And that would be a huge loss, I think. But every time we interact with an AI who speaks or writes, that's one time that we're not interacting with a person. Yes. That's an opportunity cost for human interaction. I guess yeah. you could call that. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective. I never thought about that. That's true. Because if an AI can be programmed to give you the best of talking to a human without any of the ugliness, then why why bother talking to humans? So that's a yeah, that's that's really interesting. One last thing I want to revisit before we sign off, Etienne, how do you see the relationship between data and AI evolving in the future, especially with more and more businesses starting to become interested in using AI? Yeah, well, we see a lot of AI companies becoming more careful with data. You might remember Facebook, for example, just one of many, right? The scandals that happened uh, maybe two years ago when Mm -hmm. they sold uh, user data in ways that users didn't want them to, didn't know that they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so we really want to avoid that. We want to make sure that a company is always using data for that user's benefit. And so I think in the age of AI, what is encouraging for people and what we should all remember is it's our data, right? And we have the right and the choice to have it used or not. And... Some companies, including Dialpad, I'm proud to say, are transparent about how we're going to use the data. You can ask for it to be deleted. And I think there's a trend in that direction, which is really good. And we want to see that continuing. And people always asking themselves, is this actually how I want my data to be used? Is this benefiting me? Am I getting what I want out of it? Mm -hmm. With great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was a really great first episode. I'm super stoked for the next one already. It was really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today on Work Beautifully, a Dialpad podcast. You can learn more about Dialpad's AI-powered unified communications and contact center platform at dialpad.com and find us on your favorite social channels at Dialpad. Watch for the next episodes of this season, all about AI, where we'll get into other fun AI topics 
and maybe even get Etienne and our AI team to answer some of Reddit's top questions about AI. Until next time. <laughs>